0: we're still looking at this idea of a theology of God and um, how that applies to our lives as believers. Now, a lot of times, as I've said, when we look at theology, uh, we tend to uh, think of um, you know, different kinds of um, categories or, or uh, different words that maybe we don't understand and uh, things that, that are too lofty for us, and so we don't really think about it. But a, theo- a true theology of God should be um, fluid between what we read in God's Word and, and, what, and how we live our lives. There, there should be some fluidity there. There shouldn't be, it shouldn't be um, something that we talk about in academic circles that you can't grasp in your hand and live by. And so um, I, I think uh, biblical theology is, is, is good to look at. I think the names of God help us to ha- uh, put some things we can hang our hats on. To understand who God is. And one of those aspects I want to talk about this morning is God's goodness. And what God's goodness is. So look at me if you will, John chapter 10. Beginning at verse 7, we'll go through verse 18. It says this. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask God that you would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. There are many definitions of the word good. (laughs) Uh, Context always defines what the word is and not necessarily the dictionary meaning. Um, But when we think of the word good, there's all kinds of things in our society that we talk about being good. Uh, A lot of times, the word good is subjective to the person. We talk about something tastes good. Well, that tastes good to me. It might not taste good to somebody else. Uh, Sometimes when we talk about the good, we think that that, that that event was a good thing to happen. And some people might say, well, that's not a good thing to happen. That's a bad thing to happen. Sometimes it's the thing. The term "good" is often a matter of one's own beliefs and perspectives, and those kinds of things. And when we talk about something being good, it's it's um, you know a lot of times it's about something something is good because it meets with my standard, not necessarily somebody else's standard. And so the the word "good" has has kind of lost a lot of its um, meaning. Sometimes people think the things that are evil that they're, they're calling good. It's kind of turned upside down nowadays. When we think about all, all the culture wars that are going on, and people say it's you know it it's it, it's good to look at our kids and and, uh, and let them decide what gender they want to be. But but in in reality, what's happening is something very bad is happening. They're losing their identity. And I'm sorry, but I I believe that. Um, I I don't apologize for it necessarily, but but it's something that, that I believe firmly. There is goodness in this world, and that goodness is defined by God alone. There is an objective standard of good out there, and God Himself is good. God Himself is good. And so Jesus shows us how God... How goodness is defined in God's economy. What is the good? What does what is, what is good look like? What does God's, God's goodness look like? What does His being good look like? He defines it for us here. Good, in, in God's word, is often defined as moral goodness. And even moral goodness has, has become subjective nowadays. You know, that, that, as I was just saying, that there's things that, that I think are, are good to happen or, or good to follow, and somebody else may not think that they're good to follow. Or, or I, I, I'm the person who determines what's right and what, what's good and what's bad, what's right and wrong. And, and, and that's really the fundamental um, problem with sin, uh, going all the way back to the garden. You know, when, when Eve listened to the serpent and ate of the tree of good and evil... She became the decider of what's good and what's evil. Adam, when he partook of the fruit, became the one who decided what's good and what's evil. And they ignored what God was calling good and evil. And so the whole world has fallen away and fallen into this this idea of um, uh, goodness is, is, is completely subjective. But there is a moral goodness that God has revealed to us. There is a right and wrong. When God created the world... He created it to be what? Good. Every, every aspect that God, if you read Genesis 1, every aspect when God was creating the world, He said God saw that it was good. And it, that meant that it was pleasing to Him. It, was, it, was, it met His standard for, for, for goodness. And, and, and being the creator of the universe and the God overall all and the sovereign judge of all things, we've talked about all these different aspects of God already. God is the creator. God is the, the, the judge of all things. God, God is the sovereign king of all things. He is the one who gets to determine what's good and what's bad. <laughs> and, 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 and the world met with His, his standard. And, and I would argue that when He said it was good... Um, It was pleasing to him, but it was also, I think there was a moral goodness that God had in mind there. It it, it was intended to be morally good, ethically good. Following God's set rules, following his revealed will. Now, Jesus takes that same idea. And of course, um, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and he is also very God, and the beginning of of this Gospel of John, in in context, it says that the Word was with God, and the Word was God, talking about Jesus Christ. So Jesus is, is the revealer of God in this world. And He defined goodness for us, and He used shepherding as the example of what goodness was. A good shepherd and how that shepherd cares for the flock. God is a good shepherd to us. Jesus is a good shepherd. And that that shepherding imagery is what um, helped him him define what goodness is for us. Jesus defines this goodness as caring for those who are under him. Caring for them. He cares for us like sheep. Now sometimes people look at sheep and say, well, sheep are dumb. And, and, and you shouldn't follow somebody blindly. You shouldn't be a sheep that follows someone blindly. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying that his flock and his sheep are needy. They are needy. That they are limited. That they are creatures. And yes, sometimes they're ignorant. <laughs> I mean, human, human beings can be pretty ignorant, can't we? a lot of times and sometimes we we make wrong decisions and dumb decisions and uh, we need uh, guidance to help steer us away from certain things we need guidance to help steer us away from evil we need guidance to help uh, steer us towards the good things in life Jesus is the good shepherd who cares for his flock and he starts off by saying first and foremost that that, um, I am the door I am the door. Now, how is that different from being a shepherd? Well, I don't think there's really much difference. Jesus is saying that um, I'm the one who is in charge of who can enter into my flock and my pasture. In other words, you have to go through him in order to become one of his sheep. You have to go through him. I am the door. I am the way into, into this, this, this fold of, of, of the flocks of God so to speak I am now that, that term I am has, has great significance and maybe you know the significance in the Old Testament when God first reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush Moses asks God who shall I say is sending me and, he, and, and God responds I am what I am <laughs> I am what I am I am. That that name means, you know, that he is the reason for existence and he is the reason for life itself. He he's everything. I am. And Jesus here, it is no coincidence that he uses <clears throat> the the Greek it's ego emi. There there's there's no coincidence. I mean it, it's it's not any coincidence here that he uses that that phrase I am. But he uses that descriptor to, to um, give them a metaphor of who he is. I am the door. I am the way of salvation. He, says, he tells his disciples elsewhere, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man may enter except through me. And that's what he means. No one can enter God's fold. No one can enter into God's kingdom. No one can enter into God's salvation. No one can enter into His protection except through the Son, Jesus Christ, and who He chooses to be saved. And He is the one who chooses that. He's he the one who, who allows the flock to come in. But He also says, He also says that the ones who enter into are protected from the wolves that are out there the ones who want to seek and kill and destroy, he's protect. They're, they're protected from the thieves and robbers that are out there. But not only that, they become free to go in and out to find good pasture. Sheep without a shepherd can't find the food they need. All they do is eat and eat and eat until the ground around them is 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 uh, missing grass root everything and so what they have to do is they have uh, otherwise they'll stay right there and starve to death they need the um, the shepherd to lead them to another spot where, where where they can eat but and 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 a lot of times you know that there's wild animals there's other things that that can help them that that, that can hurt them but Jesus is saying that those who come to me are, are, are free from the dangers and the troubles and, 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 and the trials that are out there and, 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 and they're free to go in and out of that gate. A lot of times we think of goodness or moral goodness as something that's being restrictive. Restrictive. Or that, that, that moral goodness is something that, that keeps us from doing the things that we like to do or want to do. But God's goodness as the good shepherd, the way that he treats us, gives us complete freedom. The devil is, is, is the thief here. The devil wants to kill, rob, steal, and destroy us any way we can, any way he can. He wants to pull us away from God and God's goodness. He wants us to be blinded to that so that we could be easily picked off and dragged away, not only killed physically, it says here, but also destroyed, which means our souls in hell. As we were singing just a little, little, little bit ago, Martin Luther, in his song, says that we don't need to be afraid of this roaring lion. One little word will fail him. And that word is Jesus. <laughs> And if we accept Him as the way into our salvation, and, and, and we resign ourselves to experience His goodness through that salvation, then, then we become truly free free from fear, free from our sin, free from our self destruction, free from our blindness and our ignorance. Jesus says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There is freedom in this goodness that God is offering. Then Jesus, of course, says, I am the good shepherd. A good shepherd leads the flock to where it needs to go. A good shepherd leads the flock to green pastures where they can eat. A good shepherd um, uh, keeps the wolves at bay. A good shepherd um, leads them to the water that they need. And I think Jesus has in mind, in saying all this, that I am the good shepherd, I think he's pointing them back to a very popular psalm psalm that we um, also repeat today and that's the one I read at the beginning of the service Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures He leads me beside the still waters He restores my soul He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. What is God the Father doing here in Psalm 23? And and, and why is Jesus the one um, reflecting that and and revealing that in John 10? What's happening here is God is showing his um, utter care for those who are his own. He's showing His his, his concern. He's taking care of those who are His own. He's showing them His his, his special providence, sometimes we call it. John Wesley often called it provenient grace because he said sometimes uh, people need this kind of care and provision before they become saved to understand who God is. Um, but, But especially those who come to Christ, God welcomes them in And he begins caring for them. He's the one that gives them what their soul needs. He's the one who helps um, lead them in the paths of righteousness, shows them the moral goodness and what that is. God is the one, through the Son, Jesus Christ, who who is leading us. Jesus is the Good Shepherd, being the Son of God. God the Father is the Good Shepherd, the one who is caring for our souls and protecting us. And even though we may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, immense troubles and trials and tribulations. God is there to protect our souls from destruction and, and to tend us and care for us. We do not need to fear evil if we are under God as the Good Shepherd, if we are under Jesus Christ. But I would say something um, even more important here that, that I think is is, is, is explains the way God's goodness works. Yes, God is morally good, he's morally pure. We've talked about God as 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 being pure already, purified from sin. Sin cannot touch him. He can be tempted, but sin cannot lead him away or destroy him. And because of that, God is a perfect purifier for us. And and there is this this idea of a moral goodness in God. But sometimes um when we look at moral goodness, we think about our own actions within ourselves and what we think and, 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 uh, and what we say and, and how, we, how we live. And a lot of times we tend to think of that in, in personal ways rather than in social ways. When we talk about morality. That's the difference between the two terms, moral, having morality, and having ethics. Morality is, is my, my personal code that I live by but then, you know, and 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 living in in according to God's law and his holiness, maybe. But social holiness, or what we call ethics, is how we treat and relate to others. All of these terms about God being the good shepherd, of, of leading them around and, and caring for the flock and feeding them, has to do with God's faithfulness to us. In fact, I would define God's goodness um, more importantly, and, and, and more, um, and, and you know, ju- the, the main idea of it is his faithfulness to his people. God's goodness is expressed in his faithfulness to, to his people. God is faithful to those who have come to him and have received his salvation and, and his grace. God is utterly faithful. He is the most faithful person that's ever ever lived or or ever existed. He defines what what faithfulness is. And by by defining faithfulness, He's defining what goodness is. He's showing us what goodness is. God is, another word that we might use is loyal. God is loyal to His people. He never gives up on them. He's always pursuing them. He's always caring for them. He's always there for them. Jesus is saying that, that um, here that, that he, he has this um, care for his people even beyond his own safety. In fact, he says something here very poignant, and I'm sure you've already noticed it. But he says the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In this life, Jesus gave himself so that his flock could be protected from the thieves and the robbers that were out there, the wolves that were ready to strike and kill them. Jesus laid down his life to protect the sheep. It's a reference, of course, to his ultimate sacrifice that he was about to perform on behalf of of, of the whole world, that he was going to lay down his life in order to break the curse of sin and death, to snatch his flock out of the jaws of the devil, to rescue them from from their ultimate destruction that was to come. To save the sheep, he laid down his life as a sacrifice for sin. And so, that that means then that that God is, is, is... Utterly faithful to the point that he is willing to give up his own life for his people. Which he did through the Son Jesus Christ. God's goodness means that he is faithful even to the point of death to his people. Goodness looks beyond the self. Goodness looks beyond just living by a certain moral code. Which we should, but we've got to remember the other aspect of it. That that is other people around us. I I don't think it's any coincidence either that when uh, Cain became jealous of his brother Abel and then killed him, God comes to to Cain and says, where is your brother? And what does Cain say? He says, am I my brother's keeper? (laughs) The self-centeredness, the selfishness uh, and th- that had already corrupted human hearts is, is, was prevalent even then. One of the things that Jesus' sacrifice does for us and His faithfulness and His goodness towards us through that sacrifice shows us that we need to be faithful to other people. Goodness is faithfulness. God the Son is the Good Shepherd because He laid down His life and, 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 and didn't hold on to his life, but gave it up for others so that they could be saved from sin and death themselves. And they could be brought into the flock or the fold of God. And Jesus says, you know, I've got other flock that are out there that, that need saving. He, he's referring to his disciples and, and, and the people who are in, in Israel but he also says, I'm welcoming in the non-Israelites too. They're, they're the ones in the other flock that he mentions here that he's seeking to bring in. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. The good news of all that um, is not only for our salvation um, and, and our own safety that, that he lay down his life for us, but he also took up his life again, did he not? <laughs> he says, I lay down my life And I have authority to lay it down, he says, but I also have authority to take it up again. No one takes my life from me, he says. I lay down my life for the sheep. And he says, also I think because of that, he says, my sheep know me and I know them, just as I know the Father and He knows me. There is an intimate relationship that Jesus wants to have with his flock because of his sacrifice, because of his faithfulness. The result of that is this intimacy between him and his own in this flock, the same kind of intimacy that he has with the Father. Father, this sheepfold belongs to me, but they also belong to you. If, if, if we're in Jesus the Son, then we're in God the Father as well. And we can have a close, intimate relationship with Him. Some people look at Jesus as the intermediator. In other words, we come to Jesus and Jesus goes to the Father. That's not what, he, what He's saying here. It's saying that we come to the Father ourselves, but we come through the Son to get there. We can have a close... If we have a close relationship with Jesus Christ, then we also receive that intimacy with God the Father as well. They're they're not totally separate things. They are distinct persons, but they are one divine essence. And the Holy Spirit, although the Spirit is not mentioned here directly, the Holy Spirit is involved in this as the gift of God in our lives. And the Holy Spirit is also a a, a, a good shepherd to us. But God is the good shepherd who cares for His own. Jesus also warned us about being hired hands. Because the hired hands don't own the sheep. They don't care for the sheep like they should. I've often said to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to be just a hired hand. I want to be a good shepherd as a pastor. A hired hand will abandon the flock when things get tough. A hired hand will um, uh, leave when when, when the wolves come and, and leave the sheep to be killed and picked off. A hired hand will not defend the flock as, as, as the good shepherd would. And I think Jesus is referencing the Pharisees here in that when he says that. The Pharisees were the religious leaders who had placed burdens on people and weren't willing to follow God's will themselves. They were hypocrites. Jesus warned against them. But he says that, that you, disciples, need to be good shepherds. He doesn't say that directly, but he's implying that. And those who follow Him need also um, to be good shepherds in the sense that we are faithful to other people. We're faithful to care for those around us. We're faithful to care for our friends and family. We're faithful to care for those outside of the four walls of our church who need to hear the good news of salvation. We faithfully carry out God's will In every aspect of our lives, and 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 that that is the measure of our goodness—how faithful we are to others around us, because that's how we best reflect God. Is when you know He is faithful to us. That's how He defines goodness here. We must be faithful to other people. That only comes through us accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior and giving our lives over to Him completely. One of the ways we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, His sacrifice for us, is to ourselves remember what He's done through communion. And so we want to partake of communion this morning. I want to ask Michael if he'll come, and Dylan, if he'll come.